This is War of the Words podcast with me, your host, Wayne Besson. Later in today's show, we'll be interviewing Scott Hamilton, the executive director of the Oklahoma Democratic Party. He's going to be discussing his plan for victory in a ruby red state that's hostile to abortion rights and LGBTQ equality. But first, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind about Donald Trump Jr.'s absurd attack on an innocent drag show that took place inside a school. Happy Pride Month. In recent years, we've celebrated our hard-won freedom, but this year is a little bit different. The right wing is going to try to use Pride Month to attack LGBTQ people as they've been doing of late. And the latest assault is from Don Trump Jr., who tweeted his disgust over an Illinois middle school that brought in drag queens to entertain a pep rally. Completely innocent entertainment. It's an innocent affair. The drag queens weren't doing their racy clawback. There was no body or salacious uh, activity with this performance. They weren't signing up students to be new drag queens. And the drag queens were making people laugh. They were making them happy. That was what their job is, and that's what they did. And yet Don Jr., trying to remain relevant, tweeted, definitely not grooming, using the disgusting canard of LGBTQ people recruiting children, as if it's even possible. You know, it's also ironic that his girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, looks more like a drag queen than the actual drag queens. But that's another story. The best is yet to come. The moral panic Don Jr. is trying to scare up is an attempt to score political points. It's an effort to make drag queens and, frankly, all LGBTQ people dirty and scandalous. It's an underhanded ploy to scare school administrators to fear for their careers if they don't render LGBTQ people invisible. And that's what their, their movement is about. It's about making us go away. And during this Pride Month, our foes will double down. They'll declare our lives obscene and work to put us back in the closet. And it's our job to say, hell no, we won't go. Maybe if Republicans spent as much time trying to keep AR-15s out of schools as drag queens, we wouldn't be having so many school shootings. But they'd rather ban drag queens than guns. Those are their priorities. You know, it seems odd they're more triggered by drag queens than actual triggers on weapons of war. Yep, you can always depend on Republicans to have those priorities in order. And what is it with the fragility of the Republican male? Why is their sense of masculinity so delicate. They believe that they can expose their children to a thousand violent movies and they won't become deranged killers or the next school shooter. Yet watching a drag queen dance on stage for 15 minutes and they think their children will suddenly want a sex change. Oh, the power of the drag queen must be immense. Overwhelming. You just look at them for a couple of minutes and boom, you want to be RuPaul. <laughs> Crazy the way they think. And conservatives like to say the kids are confused. No, the kids are all right. It's the adults that are fucked up and projecting their own issues onto their children. Their children have friends of many colors, many religions, different sexual orientations. They're okay. It's their parents who promote discrimination, who promote bigotry. Now, watching a drag queen perform or having a teacher come out as LGBTQ won't make a single child gay or trans. It might save them from years of torment or stop them from drug abuse or suicide, but the kids are never 
the point with conservatives. They don't care about the kids. They are simply props to help them spread their backward ideology and religious zealotry. If they cared about children, like they say, wouldn't they be in favor of gun reform instead of creating a world with their own kids have to participate in active shooter drills? Although sometimes, as in Texas, it's not a drill, it's the real thing. But why worry about that when there are larger dragons to slay or make that drag queens? With all the grooming slander targeted at the LGBT community from phonies like Donald Trump Jr., you know, it seems like they're missing the real groomers. You know, if everybody's a groomer, nobody's a groomer. If you're focused on the wrong people, you're missing the people actually perpetrating crimes against children. But they don't care about that, do they? Now, leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention released a major third-party investigation that found for almost two decades, survivors of abuse have been contacting the Southern Baptist Convention's administrative arm to report alleged child molesters. These were people, kids, who were molested in the pulpit or by staff members of the church. Abuse survivors, according to the report, called and emailed and were only met time and again with resistance, stonewalling, and outright hostility by leaders who were, quote, more concerned with protecting the institution from liability than from protecting Southern Baptists from further abuse. I mean, what do you expect? These people won't protect their own children from gun violence. They're training their own kids at two and three years old how to operate AR-15s in some cases. And, and you think they're going to care about abuse? I don't think so. They rather uh, support bigotry and point the finger at LGBTQ people. Yeah, that's why these creeps are doing it. They're pointing their finger at LGBTQ people and accusing us of being groomers to cover their own ass, to distract from their own sick thoughts and obfuscate from the actual real grooming and cover-ups that are taking place in their conservative churches and homes. As for the drag queens that Don Jr. derides, well, at least they have real jobs and don't depend on daddy to pay their bills. As RuPaul says, You better work. But instead of taking RuPaul's sage advice and working for a living, Don Jr. would rather hang on to his old man's bigoted coattails and make trouble on Twitter. That's his job. This is War of the Words podcast with me, your host, Wayne Besson. Coming up in a moment, I'll speak with Scott Hamilton, the executive director of the Oklahoma Democratic Party. He's going to discuss his role fighting to elect Democrats in the reddest of red states. We'll touch on Oklahoma's anti-LGBTQ bills, the propaganda-fed Republicans and their threat to democracy, as well as draconian anti-abortion bills that will lead women to have forced births in Oklahoma. Scott and I will also discuss how Republican extremism threatens to tank economies in red states like Oklahoma as corporations flee their radicalism. Wayne, I am well, and I'm so happy to be a, a part of your new podcast. Now, Oklahoma must be a very difficult environment for a Democrat. Uh, what is it like trying to organize in one of the most conservative states in the country? Well, it's, it's tough, I'll be honest with you, because um, Oklahomans pride themselves on being the reddest state in the country, not for any reason, not that that's ever helped the people here, uh, but for some reason they idealize that to a point where it becomes an ongoing goal. So it's, it's difficult to break through the noise of the Republican Party. Um, this legislative session has been an absolute nightmare when it comes to 
women's rights, LGBTQ rights. Um, it, it's been a very, very frustrating year, Wayne. So right now, our effort is focused on primaries, the end of June, and then, of course, the general election in November, where I believe we actually will be making some positive changes for the state. But we still have a supermajority here, and uh, that makes anything good and lasting problematic to try to get through the legislature. You know, I started in the LGBTQ movement, and I thought Oklahoma couldn't get any more conservative. We had J.C. Watt and Steve Largent and, and so forth. And now it seems like it's actually going further to the right uh, with Trumpism and MAGA. Uh, talk about the um, change in people's mindset with this new movement and what it means to the, both Oklahoma and the country. Well, I, I think it's very frightening because, as you pointed out, you know, things were already challenging here, but we were making some progress. Um, it, even under strong Republican rule, we were able to do some things that that really did help the LGBTQ plus community. Um, but th this year, as so often is the case, Republicans go and search for a solution to a problem that does not exist. And that sucks up lots of airtime. And um, if, if we look at the bathroom bill that was resoundingly passed and signed by the governor, um, and, and I, I love the fact that they, they try to pass laws that exempt us from federal laws, which of course is unconstitutional, but now they're doing the same thing to counties, to cities, to municipalities, saying, if you don't follow along with this, bathroom bill, then your school district is going to lose state funding. So, you know, it's lots of scary boogeyman things that are not materializing, but it has made it harder. Um, we, we have our own version of the don't say gay bill. Talked to a teacher last week who was forced to remove her um, safe space stickers from her, her school door. And so what, what we're seeing now is not unlike something that existed probably 40 years ago in Oklahoma, where people were afraid to talk. Uh, they can't, teachers cannot talk about their spouses unless they're in a um, heteronormative relationship. And if a child has two parents that cannot be discussed in the classroom, uh, two parents of the same gender. Um, so it, it's, it has really thrown equal rights back uh, many decades. And it seems like there is just this voracious appetite um, to take away freedoms and to take away choices. In, in the name of liberty and freedom at that. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the temporary governor, uh, at least I hope he's moving out at the end of this year, posted something with a scripture as so often he does, but does anything but follow those scriptures about how today, this was a Memorial Day, said, you know, we, we honor those uh, who, like Jesus said, the one that lays down his life for his friends, blah, blah. And it, then he, he summed it up by saying, there is nothing more precious than our freedoms. And I thought the irony of that, I mean, a screenwriter could just, just have a field day with that because he's taking away freedoms, taking away liberties, taking away rights, all in the name of his, of his church. The Democratic Party is in trouble breaking through in these red states like Oklahoma, you know, Wyoming, and so forth. What is it about the message 
that's being rejected? Is there a way to break through? Uh, it, clearly, it's not easy. It hasn't really done yet to a major degree anywhere in the country. As the executive director of a Democratic Party in a ruby red state, what can you do? What can we do to win some of these voters? Or is it just a, a dead end at this point in time? Well, you know, when years ago, when you and I first met, one of the things that I firmly believed in was that we, we all of us could change one heart, one mind at a time. As we came out to family and friends, as we lived our lives, and uh, it became much less scary for people. Unfortunately, we're back to a time where it's fear-mongering. Um, and, and that seems to sell really well among red voters. And it's interesting because as your audience knows, the Democratic Party doesn't have a lock on LGBTQ folks. Um, we, we spend every part of the, the spectrum in terms of age and political affiliation and gender. Um, but the, they're hanging on to these evils of the past and uh, eliminating books from libraries that, that you know, the, the one place that a kid could always turn was to the librarian to learn something about what he or she was going through in those very challenging adolescent years. And now those resources are, are becoming less and less available in some uh, districts not available at all. So to, to your question, what can we do? I think, and th this, this is, not, I'm not being a punk on this, but I think we just continue to do what we have been doing um, and, and believe that somehow, some way, we will start to make major breakthroughs. Uh, but as long as we have so many closeted people in Congress uh, who will vote against us every day, the same is true in in legislatures around the, the country. Um, that's that's one of the biggest problems. And I have never been one for outing people, but I will tell you that has changed for me. If if you are passing laws that restrict my freedoms, then as far as I'm concerned, you're fair game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I really want to see more of that. So we're looking at a situation where it's more difficult to educate people, in my opinion. When I first started out, there was ignorance, and you can overcome that. What I'm finding now is that ignorance is a badge of honor. It's an identity. And once it becomes an identity, once it means that if you become enlightened in any way, you have to leave your tribe it becomes impossible to educate because people aren't willing, they're not listening, and they're afraid to lose their socio um, status within, in a group. And I, I think it's made it more difficult. What's your opinion on that? Oh, it absolutely has made it more difficult because as long as people uh, thrive on their ignorance, it's, it's very hard to break through that because they continue, well, look at the big lie. I mean, that has been bolstered to the point where so many Americans have been lost to Fox News and its ilk because it has just continued to build a paper tiger, something that is not there. But as long as people can see it and talk about it somewhat, they think intellectually, then, then how do you break through that? I don't have the answer. I wish I did. I wish I did. Abortion is a big topic. 
in Oklahoma right now. And you just uh, they just passed a bill that is draconian. Talk about this bill and also with Roe v. Wade about to be overturned in the Supreme Court. What's it going to be like for women in Oklahoma? It's going to be hell for women in Oklahoma because we have all these trigger bills that if Roe falls, then boom, they all go into effect. Well, actually, some of these already have. It has been a battle of abortion bills in Oklahoma this year because uh, the governor has signed so many of them. Many of them overlap. Many of them are not congruent with one another. But he vowed to sign every piece of what he calls pro-birth. That is, I'm sorry, he doesn't call it that, but that's exactly what it is. It's only pro-birth because we're 49th in education. Uh, 40% of children in Oklahoma go to bed insecure at night as to when they might have their next meal. Healthcare disparities are rampant here. But we, instead of focusing on those issues, instead they have put such a strong focus on eliminating a woman's right to choose and creating forced birth situations. It, it's going to have long-term devastating impacts on not just women, of course, but their children, their families. And when, when Texas laws went into effect, many people from Texas were coming to Oklahoma to seek reproductive health care. And now, where do they go? They're going to have to go to Kansas. That may not seem like a lot to, to a lot of folks just traveling from one state through another state to get to a third state. But if one of your biggest considerations in whether or not to have a child is an economic one, chances are very good that you don't have money to travel like that to take care of yourself. And it, it's going to create a whole new sub tier of women whose whose rights have been trampled to the point where they're they're already working three jobs to care for their kids to support their family um the minimum wage here is depressingly low and so all of these things combine together to create a situation where women have absolutely no say in oklahoma to quote george carlin he said uh if you're preborn, everything's great. If you're preschool, you're fucked. That seems to be the situation. They're pro-life, but they, until you're born, and then you're on your own. Yes, and that's that's exactly where we live here. And it's heartbreaking when you look at the poverty that exists in this state. And all the while, the governor just keeps talking about he wants to make this a top ten state. Well, the opposite has has worked. It's we are not a top ten in anything positive. We are the 51st, including D.C., the 51st worst place for women to live in the United States. And you would think that those factors would come into thinking in the legislature, but they, they absolutely do not. It's whatever the church says. And uh, one of these bills, it's it's a citizen enforcement. It's like vigilantes hunting down women to find out if they are pregnant. And, and uh, talk about that aspect. This goes further than Texas, because now with the Oklahoma bill, it basically deputizes everyone in the United States to serve as a bounty hunter. It, and that means not just the woman who is seeking uh, the health care, but it means the Uber driver, the receptionist. It means someone, um, a, a night clerk at a hotel that rents you a room and they know what you're there for. And so you, man you manage one person, you could conceivably turning be turning in a dozen people and at $10,000 a pop, you know, that's that's a pretty damn good living.
Yeah, it's a good business. It really is. And, and I mean, it's it's sick and twisted, but I could definitely see the appeal to some fanatics out there who could uh, use their ideology to actually cash in and and persecute women. Well, it's I mean, how, how many times have we seen reproductive health care clinics bombed or shot up or people severely injured or killed? And what this does is it, it incentivizes the ultra right to park outside of a doctor's office, to, you know, camp outside uh, of, a, of a hospital. And so there, there is nothing healthy about this. It's just another reason why businesses are not interested in coming to Oklahoma. Because look, if I had a business and I looked at Oklahoma's laws, I would not subject my employees to some of the horrific things that exist here. That's just the bottom line. I would not do it. I think that's going to be a big dividing line. I think a lot of businesses are going to have important decisions to make when Roe v. Wade is overturned. I think it's going to hurt a lot of big cities in red states, Atlanta, uh, Miami, and Austin, where big tech might shy away. And I also think in Oklahoma, if the governor wants to create new jobs and new industry, well, who's going to relocate there when they can't get top graduates from universities and women are going to be like, uh-uh, that's not where I'm going. Uh, it looks like this is probably not going to go through now, but one company that he engaged to come here with hundreds of millions of dollars of incentives said, yeah, we're going to build uh, this factory in your state. And you start to look at the average pay on those jobs and it's like $13 an hour. But what they do is then they, they put their headquarters in another state where you have engineers, where you have corporate offices, where you have all of your communications efforts, anything that requires um, a different level of experience or education, they're not coming here. But that, yeah, we're, I think that's going to be a bigger issue than people think it is right now. I think it's going to do incredible damage to these to these red states. I think there's going to be a big dividing line. And I think as a result, they're going to go after blue states. And I look at, the, for example, the abortion pills that are going to be sent to places where women can't have abortion. I think the, some of the red states are going to try to, you know, as we've seen, try to crack down and ban that. Good luck on that. If you can't stop tons of marijuana and cocaine from entering the country. How the hell are you going to stop an abortion bill inside a little envelope that's unmarked? Ain't happening. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And um, you, you, you made a very valid point. I'm concerned uh, about the impact, the, the negative impact that, that this kind of thinking is going to start having in blue states. And particularly in, in danger, I think, are the blue outposts within red states. Because uh, like here in Oklahoma, for example, we've got a chunk of Oklahoma City and a chunk of Tulsa that's very progressive and has been for years. And th those areas have seen some growth. You know, again, if these are the, the choices you're faced with, how long do you stay here after you graduate? Or how long do you stay away after you leave? Maybe forever. Uh, we'll switch gears here. The Democratic Party has always had a tug of war, and that is you know, Howard Dean came up with a 50-state strategy to fund states, including red states. And there were others who said, nah, they're, they're hopeless, they're not happening, let's put the money elsewhere. What is that like in an election year right now? Is a state like Oklahoma getting the resources it needs? Are 
talk about that situation and what you're what you face as an executive director in the reddest of red states. We our our money comes from individual contributions. The way that that Oklahoma's elections elections laws are written, we cannot accept money from corporations, uh, from nonprofit organizations. And so it's literally donations. And that's $10 at a time, $5 at a time, $100 at a time. But it takes a lot of effort to raise that kind of money to mount solid campaigns for candidates. This year, we have a better shot uh, at the state level. And I'm going to step out there and say even with at least um, one senator and one congressional seat, I think that we have a very good shot of turning those blue again. But it's it's very, very hard because as you point out, there is the conventional wisdom that says, why am I going to throw money in a red state when that money can be much better sp- spent in, in a blue state where Dems actually have a shot? And the, the thing that we constantly say is, if you don't help us now, it's never going to change here. So if we don't get help and support, then you're basically writing this state off forever because we have to keep showing up. We have to keep running good quality candidates and we have to keep talking about the issues. All of that takes money. Well, I think Republicans are good at looking long term. Democrats look at the next election. Republicans say, well, we might not have a majority on this issue now or this particular state, but we're going to turn it long term. And I think the Democrats need to start thinking more like that. Oh, I do, too. If we look at what's happened with the Supreme Court, that's a perfect example. They, they bided their time until they can make wholesale changes to the court. And um, credit where it's due. I, I think you're right that they do have a longer term strate- strategic look at things than Democrats. We, we are not. We're also not forceful enough. I know what Michelle Obama said. I love her and I respect what she said for the time. When they go low, we go high. But this is a different time. It's a different environment. It's everything about it. It's a different nation today after four years of the last guy. And so it's we've got to start hitting back and hitting hard. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, we are looking at a party that does not believe in democracy anymore. The Republican Party has left America and joined a cult, in my opinion. And to sit there and pretend it's business as usual, and we where we are where we were five, 10, you know, 15 years ago, is a recipe for disaster. It's it's a way to lose. The Republican Party today, these right-wing conservatives only understand force. And they only understand uh, winning an issue by fighting. And if we don't do that, they will define us, they will defeat us, and we will be in deep trouble. Um, speaking of that, the democracy issue, what do you, how are you handling that, that you have one, the party you're up against right now has left the U.S. and, in a sense, wants authoritarianism? Some would even go as far as fascism. That must be a difficult, difficult for you, facing a party that is that extreme and doesn't even believe in the most basics, like everybody should get to vote. Yes, it, it is. And, and I'm one of those people that would go so far as to say it is fascism. What, what we're dealing with is a wholesale brainwashing of people. Because how else can we explain that people just keep voting the way they do? 
and I, I know that there's this ideation that if I if I rub elbows with a billionaire, then I'm only one slot away from being a billionaire myself. But that's the reality. Of that is, it doesn't happen. It just it, it, that's not going to happen. Yeah, you might get to wash his car or shine his shoes, but he's not going to open up a business for you. Nope. And so, why why would you continue to send these people? in your stead to make decisions for you and your family if you know they're lying. And part of that, I, I have to say that this is a media issue because I, I hear from people regularly, Wayne, and this, this is terrifying to me, that they've had to cut off relationships with their parents over Fox News because the, the, you know the parents are retired, they sit home and Fox News is on the TV 10 hours a day and you know, you, you you get that steady stream of lies and, and misinformation, eventually it becomes your reality. And so those are the people that we, we don't have any shot whatsoever of talking to. You see that with the gun issue too right now. I mean, we have these school shootings, these mass shootings, and we're the only country where this happens. And it clearly is tied to the fact that crazy people have access to any firearm they want. It's easy to get. And all we get are thoughts and prayers. It's this brainwashing where people can't even recognize reality. And, and, and we just are in this sick, twisted loop where these things keep happening again and again because people cannot look for real solutions. In, in Oklahoma, in the legislative session this year, there were over 60 gun bills. And none of those were meant to restrict access to guns. They wanted guns in, in uh, gun-free school zones. They wanted um, college kids to be able to carry on campus. Every church should have guns. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on and on. Not all of those made it into law, but it's just the fact that so much time and energy was spent on that instead of exploring new ways to educate our children, instead of exploring the, the food insecurity and the food deserts that, that exist throughout this state. Um, you know, I, every day, every day, I have people calling screaming because Biden pushed the gas prices. And, you know, you can't have a rational conversation with someone. You can't explain that it's the oil companies who had record-breaking profits the first quarter of well, this year. And the gas prices are double in Europe. Is he responsible for that? I mean, there, there's no logic here. I guess Biden's responsible for the, the, the price of gas in London, too, because the gas prices are up everywhere. Inflation, because of supply chains. But it's Biden. It's, it's just ignorance uh, that's very frustrating and, and maddening. Uh, with the elections coming up, abortion might be a big issue. How do you think that's going to play out if Roe v. Wade is overturned? Is this going to get a lot of, of new Democrats to the polls? Are we going to see a surprise uh, with suburbs with a lot of women voting Democratic for the first time? Or am I being optimistic in terms of the impact electorally? What, what do you think is going to play out in Oklahoma? I don't think I don't think you're being overly optimistic at all, Wayne. I think you've got a, a quite a valid point. If we look at the national polls, uh, Republicans overwhelmingly favor the right to have an abortion. And so if you live in an affluent suburb and you've always voted Republican, but you realize that if your daughter should get pregnant, anything you do to help her would make you a felon. I think that it's going to push some people, particularly Republican women, 
to reevaluate the way that they've been voting and say, wait a minute, I can't, I cannot do this anymore. You, you have taken away too much for too long. Um, it will galvanize, I think, uh, apathetic Democratic voters um, because that's it, sometimes it takes an additional push. But I really think that the biggest change we're going to see is among Republican women this, this fall. Yeah, I think we'll see some movement with men in, in the future when they realize that they're going to have to pay for these kids. And the college is very expensive. Uh, let's end right now with, uh, I, I'm going let, to, let's end right now. I'm just going to ask, how, 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 what are the main messages that you're going to move going into this election that you think are going to help Democrats? We're focused on three things, equality, public education, affordable health care for everyone, and economic opportunity. I don't, I mean, why focus on that when you could focus on trans people and guns and, abort and outlawing abortion? I mean, the, the things, their priorities are so backwards. And they are voting, you know, these Republicans against their own interest. It's infuriating. And how could they not see that their lives aren't improving? Instead, they, the Republican Party and Fox News, they create these boogeymen. And they, but they fall for it every damn time. It, it's, it's, it's incredible that they can't figure it out. If we look at what happened last week, one Google search pulled up a trans person with a name similar to the murderer in Texas. And without any additional thought at all, a sitting congressperson proclaimed that that was the shooter. And so now it became a trans issue, which of course it wasn't, but it, but it was made to feel that way. And that narrative carried on for several days. Yeah, members, members of Congress quoted that, were, were pushing that. This is like it was Paul Gosar from Arizona, that buffoon was pushing this. No responsibility to his office whatsoever, degrading uh, the, the House of Representatives by pushing this false narrative, but they don't care. They lie like other people breathe or drink water. In fact, it's an identity marker. In order to be part of the Republican Party today, it seems you have to be able to shrug off the truth and spout misinformation. You have to lie and do it with a straight face. That seems to be the, the password, the secret handshake to get in the party. After all of the lying that one sitting congressman has done, all of the lies about his background and his education, None of that mattered. The only thing that mattered to his colleagues were when he started talking about cocaine orgies. That's when they got mad. That's when they pulled their support. And probably the only truthful thing he's ever said. I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, I think he was telling the truth. I've been in Washington. These conservatives don't exactly live up to the family values that they preach. Exactly. The, the proof is in their grinders. Yes. <laughs> um, not, I, I, not that I know what it sounds like. Uh, Final question. Do you have anything you want to say going into the election right now? Any message you want to get out for Democrats as we head to the polls for the midterms? The, the one thing I would ask is, please do not take this midterm the way that so often we do. Uh, there's less attention paid to midterms. The turnout is always less. And I am encouraging everyone in the Democratic Party to, to vote like this may be your last time to vote. Because honestly, we don't know if, if, if we continue down the path that we're heading right now, uh, making it harder to vote, making it harder to access services, making it illegal to live the ways that we have 
than freely living, then then truly our our freedom is at stake. Um, and and I'm not going to say this is the most important election in our lifetime. We often do that, but I will say this is a very important one. And if we don't, if we don't take it seriously, we are handcrafting our own eulogy. Scott Hamilton, Executive Director of the Oklahoma Democratic Party. Thank you so much for joining the show. Always a pleasure, Wayne. Thank you, sir. This is War of the Words with Wayne Besson. Thank you for joining me today. Until we meet again, see you next time.